0: This is JDSA's Law Talk. This is the program that gives you the straight facts on our laws and how they affect your everyday personal and professional life.
1: In a recent episode of JDSA's Law Talk, we highlighted the importance of having a solid employee handbook. But what information actually goes into one? How does a well-written handbook impact employee satisfaction? And can this impact a company's bottom line? Today we'll be taking a deeper look into what actually can and should go into the document itself. In today's how-to discussion on JDSA's Law Talk, Attorney Todd Keyes is back to share tips for creating an effective employee handbook. Todd, always great to talk to you. Thank you. It's good to be here. You know, you shouldn't just throw something like this together, but for folks looking at the detail involved in putting one of these together, they shouldn't be scared of this. This is a process that, that can be... Very productive. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, you can build
2: out uh, plans for how to how to execute on a, an employee handbook in a way that minimizes the drain on the organization and maximize the benefit to the organization and the employees of uh, getting the most meaningful exercise. Um, and it can actually spur dialogue of
1: uh, best practices within the organization as well. Fantastic, let's get into the nuts and bolts of this. That's coming your way next. Employee handbooks, right here on JDSA's Law Talk.
0: You're listening to JDSA's Law Talk. When you need legal advice, call JDSA Law, the highest quality legal support since 1946.
1: Welcome back to JDSA's Law Talk. If you'd like to read more in-depth articles on important legal topics, read through our news articles and blogs at jdsalaw.com. Talking with our featured attorney, Todd Keyes, about employee handbooks and now talking about tips to create an effective handbook. Todd, I think with a lot of folks looking at an endeavor this size, they get stopped before they even start because they don't even know where to begin. So let's do that for them. Where do you begin here? You know, I think that's great. There, as we
2: mentioned in the earlier uh, law talk on the topic, that there are really three buckets of uh, issues that need to be addressed in in an employee handbook. The first are the mandatory um, notices or policies that are required to be in place. And those things, again, like the Washington paid sick leave law would be one of those. Um, so you, you list out those mandatory policies that are required to be there, and you get those done first. Um, now, when you say you, let's talk who. Who
1: should be involved in this process?
2: Well, it depends on the size of the organization. So those uh, large organizations that have human resource personnel, uh, oftentimes they've been through specific training provided by the agencies. And... Uh, they can um, start with the templates that are provided by those agencies and modify them and review them to fit the organization. The challenge with any uh, governmental provided template is that they uh, oftentimes uh, don't fit very well the organization itself. And so uh, there may be needs to revise and modify those that the HR personnel can take a crack at. But if you're smaller and you don't have an HR personnel, then um, really you should start by looking online uh, at the model policies that the agencies provide, uh, modifying them or putting notes on them as to where they apply or don't apply to your Uh, business practices, and then consulting with legal advice to go through whether you can actually execute on those proposed modifications or whether you have to modify your own business practices to comply
1: with the law. If you're a business owner or leader and you're looking at this endeavor, you're starting from scratch. Generally, what's a good time frame to look at from start to finish as far as time requirements to do something like this and do it right? Yeah. um, Well, that's where
2: the challenge lies. uh, That... um, If you are getting into a extremely thorough handbook that wants to dive into many different areas of your business practice, it can be a considerable time commitment. And that's why I I generally encourage employers to break it apart and do the mandatory portions first. Get those taken care of. Then you go into the second category, which are the, if you're going to do these practices, you have to have a policy type set of rules drug testing being uh, the most common of those, video surveillance being another, Uh, that if you're going to be doing those, you need to have a policy. So we take care of those through a relatively short and hopefully moderately painless uh, exercise. (laughs) And then you get into the nuts and bolts of sort of the culture and how things run and how things operate and what they could or couldn't do. And that third category is really where you see the largest time consumption occurring. Uh, And for small organizations, uh, perhaps that third category isn't as relevant as for large organizations because for small organizations where the ownership and the employment have a more intimate relationship, that dialogue and expectation conveyance occurs simply by the fact that the owner is working hand in glove with the employees. And so the need to define where you can do things and when you can do things and who you report concerns and questions to and how to resolve this, and what the dress code is, and all of those sorts of variability, there's not the big question about it, because everybody knows it, because everybody's working side by side and executing on life together. They see it in a daily basis. Exactly. And so for those small, medium-sized organizations, sometimes you can pay less attention to that third category of sort of organizational culture
1: type stuff in the handbook. But if you're in a, an organization with thousands of employees or even hundreds, you really need to pay special attention to that because you're not going to have that face time as an owner or senior, senior leadership with every single employee on a daily basis.
2: That's exactly right. And that's where you need to really dig in and say, you know, what practices are essential for our business model that we want to have standardized through the organization? Okay. Are there segments in our organization that have different practices that we want to have standardized,
1: and do they warrant different handbooks? Well, let's get into this preparation here. Before actually writing it, let's talk about how a business leader should approach this. You talked earlier about the first step being familiar with state and local employment laws that an employer needs to abide by. What else? Well, so again,
2: that would be sort of defining that mandatory category of things that we need to have included in our manual and those discretionary things that if we want to do them, we have to include them in our manual. And then you move into this uh, sort of more nebulous category of the culture aspect. And that one uh, is a lot more tricky. Typically, I would start with the organization and say, what are the processes that are particularly important for us to standardize? What are the technical details of employment that uh, we feel are particularly important to have down in a formal policy, for example, vacation, for example, pay periods?
1: How about paid sick leave or family medical leave?
2: So remember, those are in the first category of the mandatory policies right, okay. that says yes. you have to have those. So many employers, smaller employers will have those as standalone policies. And if you're moving to a handbook, then you really want to consolidate all those standalone mandatory policies into that first critical categories of must haves in your handbook. Okay, let's go to the next category then. Okay, then the next category are these if you're going to do it, you need to have a policy that informs the employees that you are doing it. For example, mandatory drug testing, video surveillance are the two most common examples of that. So if we're going to be having a surveillance program at our company, then we need to inform the employees that we're going to be doing that. If we're going to be having a drug testing program at our company, then we need to inform the employees of how that is being
1: conducted. You also need to think about if your business has different units, right? That play by different rules, say union and not union shops or something along those lines? Sure, absolutely. Oftentimes, it's not uh, necessarily on a union, non-union
2: division, but it's on a, a practical operational side. You may have a sales department and a manufacturing department. Uh, you may have a farming department and a packing department. You may have a shipping department and a um, retail side. And each one will have uh, different kind of needs
1: and challenges and challenges. Uh, opportunities for clarity. Let's talk about what other must-haves need to be considered. Um, I'm thinking more along the lines of disclaimers, right? I mean, you have to have some disclaimers in a handbook, right? Well, those are not in the must-haves, but those are in the best practices category. Okay.
2: One of the challenges is that whatever you put in your handbook becomes the subject of review should any disputes arise. And if you have something in your handbook that you're not doing and you said you were going to do it, then there can be responsibility to the employer for not doing what they said they were going to do. Do what you say and say what you're going to do. Right. And if you have something in your handbook that says you're going to do this, but you're not allowed to do that, then you can have some responsibility for saying you're going to do something or doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. (laughs) So you have to be very, very careful that. what you say you're going to do in your manual you actually do do and what you say you're going to do you
1: actually can do chatting with featured attorney Todd Keys about employee handbooks and the best tips to create an effective Handbook. Coming your way next, we'll talk about what other items can make this an effective tool for employers and employees. And always a fun subject, the must-nots, what you shouldn't include in an employee handbook. That more, it's coming up next right here on JDSA's Law Talk.
0: JDSA's Law Talk will be right back with more on today's topic. Add your voice to the show. Email your questions to lawtalk at jdsalaw.com
1: cannabis law it regulates marijuana production sale and use at jdsa law we help growers producers and retailers understand this emerging industry this is how we make your life better committed to you since 1946 jdsa law
0: you're listening to jdsa's law talk when you need legal advice call jdsa law the highest quality legal support since 1946
1: Want to learn more about the law? A JDSA legal seminar is a great way to better understand aspects of the law and how it affects your personal and professional life. Sign up today at JDSAlaw.com forward slash seminars. Welcome back to JDSA's Law Talk. I'm Clint Strand talking with featured attorney Todd Keyes about employee handbooks and tips to create an effective handbook. Let's talk about more considerations an employer or senior leadership should have when creating one of these things. What else can make this an effective tool for both employers and employees? Well,
2: um, that's a big question because (laughs) every organization has their own um, needs and and concerns and objectives. I think it's oftentimes best if you have uh, a collective conversation with your leadership team, and you go through a laundry list of the different opportunities you have to provide clarity in a handbook and identify with those uh, which ones are applicable to your given employer. For example, is dress code relevant? Is defining where uh, parking and entering the building and safety issues about smoking and general hygiene are those relevant to the organization is it relevant that we talk about cell phone usage and texting and when and when that should or should not be done Uh, is it relevant that we identify privacy issues with use of emails and uh, computer behaviors so every employer will have uh, certain areas on those types of laundry lists of issues that are relevant and of concern to them now you don't necessarily want to throw every single thing on the list if they aren't relevant to the organization. Because again, what you put in that manual, you're putting in for the world to see. And if you're following those things that you put in that manual, great, provided you're entitled to follow them. Uh, But if you're putting something in there that you're not doing, then you've got a problem. Or if you're putting in something that you shouldn't be doing, you've got a problem. So you need to be judicious in
1: evaluating what you're gonna put in the manual and what you're not. As with many things in life, what you say is just as important as how you say it. Anyone who's heard something like, come over here, is a lot different than come over here. So let's talk tone. Uh, Handbooks can take many different tones, right? Correct. Yeah,
2: there are. uh, um, And the tone of the handbook often represents the philosophy or the view of the leadership. So. If the leadership is viewing the handbook as a defensive mechanism to save themselves from litigation from their employees, to control their employees, and to direct their employees in a certain way, that handbook will read very differently than the employer who has the perspective of providing guidelines and leadership to the employees providing the employees opportunities to be successful and expressive, providing those behaviors that are rewarded and most beneficial to the organization. The differences in those philosophies are clearly manifested in the document. They, They may well describe the same behavior, but they're painted in two different directions. Most employers view the handbook in a way that is defensive and that is unfortunate and I think that's based on the history of these handbooks and that's based on the fact that employers get shot at so often by individuals looking to take advantage of opportunities. But those employers that are able to look past those barriers and focus on providing the employment handbook as a leadership tool and a tool to empower and inspire the employees, those handbooks
1: are the most successful. And you can certainly achieve the same aims, but with different tactics. And I guess it comes down to what kind of leader do you want to be as a business owner or senior leadership in a company? Certainly one seems more preferable to the other, doesn't it? Certainly if I was an employee
2: or if I was in leadership, I
1: can tell
2: you that I would want to have one that uh, is looking at – creating a handbook that allows me to have a successful
1: and uh, inspiring and productive workplace. So we've talked about taking time to determine what's important to you as a business. We've talked about tone. But as far as other sections in this employee handbook, what other sections may we want to consider? It's a great opportunity
2: to allow the leadership to provide some background on the company. It's a great opportunity for the leadership to provide the goals of the company and get the employees to share in the commitment of those goals. It's a great opportunity to include in any information that you think will uh, help unify the, the team in moving forward with the, the business at hand. So those are some kind of cultural opportunities that an employee handbook has. You know, other sections that are often included in, and for good reason would be things that are dealing with what happens when expectations are not met between the employer and the employee and how are those resolved and identifying a pathway that the employer and the human resources staff of the employer can follow to help address employee behavior problems and help that employee get through those problems and be successful and conversely unfortunately also address and describe what happens if the employee and employer are not able to move forward and and get those behaviors addressed successfully so that's a that's a healthy and reasonable thing to have in your manual as well as we chatted before you know you'd want to have a section on pay and um, how the how and when pay is made and calculated just so everybody's clear and you don't have any questions or concerns oftentimes there will be a section on different employee benefits that are available as well again uh, with the objective of just providing people clarity of what's going on because in the absence of information, People tend to fill in the blanks, and it's nice if you can
1: avoid any of that. Now, Todd, in the spirit of managing my tone, like we talked about before, I could say this is the part where we talk about the must-nots—what we sh- what we should not include in these. I'm going to recast that as this is a wonderful opportunity to sidestep pitfalls that have befallen other companies in the past. What opportunities should companies take not to stub their own toe? Well said.
2: So probably one of the biggest things in, in an employee handbook is being careful not to recharacterize things in a way that's highly disadvantageous for the employer. For example, Washington is an at-will employment state, meaning that an employer can cease employing an employee at any time, and the employee always has the right to cease employment with the employer at any time. The exception to the employer's side of that bargain is if the employer has entered into a contract that changes the characterization of that at-will employment relationship. And that contract can be inferred from things like a handbook. So you always want to be clear in the handbook that you are not changing the at-will nature of the employment. It doesn't mean you're going to fire them at any moment. It doesn't mean that uh, you're intending to fire them. It just means that you're intending that the agreement does not create an obligation that you have to continue to employ an employee if the relationship is not successful. All right. Any other ideas? You know, I think it's also helpful to reiterate in the employment handbook that it's not intended to create an employment contract, that it's intended to provide guidance Uh, policies, leadership, shared goals, uh, methods for resolving disputes, but it's not intended to provide an employment contract. Now whether that's going to be successful at keeping it from being an employment contract or not would ultimately be up for a judge, but it at least sets forth your expectations that this is not a contract, this is a recitation of what
1: we need to be successful at company X. This isn't comprehensive. This is not a Bible. This is a guidebook. Correct. Very good. Todd, let's talk about some pain points here. When you're developing your employee handbook, what precautions should an employer take? Well, I think it's great if you have uh, the handbook reviewed
2: by multiple people with multiple skill sets in the organization, because they're going to identify language problems that the author or maybe one or two of the leadership people would not identify. And they would identify different interpretations that the author and perhaps some of the leadership would not identify. So that goes to the, the issue of making sure that the language is very clear, very straightforward, and in some cases as simple as possible. What is clear and straightforward and simple to one is not clear, straightforward, and simple to all. So it's important that you, you have that vetted with a, an audience.
1: I have to imagine this is a living document. This isn't set in stone. An employee handbook approved now probably wouldn't be uh, as germane five years from now. So what's a good timeline for reviewing and updating these things? Again, it's going to depend on the organization. The larger organizations that have regular
2: board meetings or regular management level meetings, it's oftentimes a good idea to have segments of the manual reviewed on a very regular basis. For example, you would take your, for a comprehensive handbook you might say we're going to break this up for one quarter each year And we're going to, at each weekly or monthly meeting, we're going to deal with reviewing one-third of the chapters or one-fourth of the chapters or whatever it is. So you break it down into sort of a digestible segment. You can solicit input on the segments that you're reviewing from the relevant audiences within the organization and get it done without consuming a ridiculous amount of time and and get it done in a way that you can have the best uh, level of attention
1: and energy of the group. All right, speaking of making it digestible, I'd imagine this would be less of an issue for the JDSA handbook since you all are lawyers, but I'd also have to imagine that legal jargon or at least copious amounts of it probably wouldn't be the best thing to have in a handbook if it's going to be digested by lay people. For
2: sure. You know, legal jargon is legal jargon for a reason because it's extremely (laughs) precise. It's extremely precise and extremely descriptive. And when you get very precise and very descriptive, it gets very complicated. And so that's always the balance between precision and simplicity. And uh, that balance will vary depending on the organization and the type of issues you're having to address. But it's something that has to be wrestled with for every one of these.
1: But again, since we're dealing with a handbook and not a comprehensive set in stone policy book, it's a little easier to go with layperson language because you don't want to get yourself locked into that. For sure. Okay. We're going to bring it all together. These are just a few examples and we can drown in the details here. We can talk about this all day, but we will bring it all together and tie all this together when we talk about employee handbooks, tips for creating an effective handbook with featured attorney Todd Keys. That's coming your way next, right here on JDSA's Law Talk.
0: This is JDSA's Law Talk. Visit us now at jdsalaw.com.
1: Family Law it's complicated. At JDSA Law, our decades of experience help you navigate emotionally charged issues and the toughest decisions in your life. This is how we make your life better. Committed to you since 1946. JDSA Law.
0: This is JDSA's Law Talk. Hear more programs and read in-depth articles on the law at jdsalaw.com.
1: Welcome back to JDSA's Law Talk. If you have a question about today's topic or a topic suggestion for a future episode, email us at lawtalk at jdsalaw.com. Talking with featured attorney Todd Keyes about employee handbooks, tips for creating an effective employee handbook. Todd, we covered a lot of ground here, but let's try to bring it all together. When folks are thinking about creating that employee handbook, what are some of the main points you want folks to walk away with?
2: Well, I think it's just important to remember the three buckets of information that you've got to include. Uh, You have to include the mandatory notices, and you can either have standalone policies that are spread all over the company and you can't ever find them when you need them, or you can have a consolidated handbook that has those mandatory standalone policies that we talked about. Uh, You need to make sure you have the discretionary ones if you're doing them. For example, drug testing, surveillance. And you need to have in there those essential cultural and leadership and guidance documents that the ownership and the leadership of the employees thinks are relevant to provide clarity from the operational side. Those things need to be considered and brought in. Once you have that part done, then you can begin to evaluate, do we really have a need for, is it appropriate for us to begin to get into the operational minutiae in our handbook about expectations and key points and, and various other details of how we conduct our business, which may or may not be relevant for you, depending on your
1: size and how it's managed and operated. And that just goes back to the point of, making sure you take a long look in the mirror and making sure that your handbook is a true reflection of your business.
2: Exactly right, exactly right. And listening to the feedback from your managers and from your staff, when there are pressure points and there are issues and there are ambiguities, could we clean this up and resolve these things by having a clearly stated policy to address it? And if the answer to that is yes, then maybe you should dig in a little deeper.
1: Lots of questions, and I have to imagine that an experienced attorney probably should be involved in preparing or, at minimum, reviewing a handbook before it's finalized. Yes?
2: Yeah, I think that's the that's the challenge, is that people view the handbook as an off-the-shelf item. And I suppose you can do that, but then you have to change the way you're doing business to comply with your handbook. And that seems a little backwards. The handbook should be prepared to comply with how you're doing things.
1: Well, it's a good thing that JDSA law attorneys have been assisting businesses with employment law and related issues for a lot of years now with a lot of experience. Yep, we're uh, happy to help. If you want to learn more, contact us by visiting jdsalaw.com. Todd Keys, thanks so much. It was always a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure being here. Thank you. And thanks for joining us for this episode of JDSA's Law Talk. Remember, you have a legal matter, require solid legal advice, connect with a member of the JDSA Law team at JDSA jdsalaw.com. Dot com you can also hear law talk episodes on other topics and submit your questions or suggestions for a future show i'm your host clint strand thanks again for joining us on jdsa's law talk
0: you've been listening to jdsa's law talk topics covered in this program are for informational purposes only and are not intended to be professional advice before making any legal decision seek the advice of a relevant professional To ask a question, arrange a meeting with a JDSA attorney and find Law Talk episodes on other topics. Connect with us at JDSAlaw.com. Thanks again for joining us on JDSA's Law Talk.